0: On course. What's going on, family? It's your man Gerard Bonner of Bonner Fide Radio, and we're back with another session of Heart to Heart. This is the time where we spend some time picking the brain and talking to Pastor Hart Ramsey and getting his heart on situations as he transfers that. To your heart. Pastor Ramsey, how are you, sir? I'm
1: doing well, man. Let's do this. How are you doing?
0: (laughs) I am doing great. Like, these sessions have been amazing, and the feedback we've been getting has been fantastic. So, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and enjoying this. So, let's see. You know, one of the things that you are known for is talking about grace. And there's been, um, this interesting movement, I think, uh, where there is this law versus grace battle that seems to keep going on where you know some people are either all the way law or all the way grace how have you found balance in presenting that message uh to to all who listen to you
1: well you know and and that's a great you know when you start talking about law and grace we can talk about (laughs) this like till the cows come on (laughs) right it's the thing you know what what i do when i speak about grace is i understand i have to understand that the majority of the people that are hearing the message of the grace of God in Christ are years and years, for those who were raised in church, steeped in law. That's true. And so, and not only law, but, but there's another contingency of, of, of teaching that came, that came out of the black church in particular. And I, I speak of the black church, but I'm speaking of the church in general, mm-hmm. where, where it's, it's what I call needs-based preaching. Let me tell you what okay. needs-based pre- preaching okay. is. Okay. Needs-based preaching is that we preach law to people, and the law, the way law, the law that God gave to Moses is a covenant of works. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in it, the Jews worked in their own strength to follow the rules and the regulations to be considered in right standing with God. In other words, in, in order to have a right rela- relationship with God, I had to do all the right things. It was based on works. Right. It was divided into four parts. The, the, there was a moral law, the ceremonial law, the civil law, and then there was a dietary code. So the moral law is the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Okay. The ceremonial ceremonial law talks about how we worship God. Okay. okay, and the civil law is um, how we uh, administer justice. In the civil law was like stoning and different things like that. And then right. there's a dietary code of what you can eat and what you can't eat. Okay, so so the, the law was divided into that. Now this what's interesting is so so we preach the law to people, which it's impossible. according to the book of Romans and different parts of scripture, uh, Paul's writings in particular. The, it's impossible. No one can keep the law. Right. So people will be wounded by the fact that they came to God for help. He just asks them to do a few things, and they can't do it. And so, out of that comes needs-based conferences and needs-based preaching. Well wow. we we show up at church to like a pep rally to be to be encouraged and, and lifted up, and and, t- and then we leave there fired up. And then by the next Sunday, we need it again. Right. What that what that creates is big business in ministry because when we do our conferences, people are gonna always come back because they have needs. My goodness. When we the, the different now, what we do in grace is we tell them, "Listen, you don't need me. Mm-hmm. To, you don't need me to go between you and God. You God through Jesus Christ has given you a part of your salvation package. Is the grace of God that saves you, but it gives you right relationship with God. Right. And you receive righteousness as a gift. You receive holiness as a gift." You don't. People say, "Be holy." Or, you know, the, the teaching was holiness or hell. Right. Either you be holy or you go to hell. Well, do, do you don't. Know, so you, we're, we're preaching to people that God wants to, them to bring Him a gift of holiness, but mm-hmm. you can't bring to God what you don't have. That's right. That's so, right. So, so God gives us His gift of holiness, and and, and when you look at the word holiness, is the root word is the, the Greek word hagos. Mm-hmm. From there, we get the word hagi, hagios, um, and, and English words like saint and sanctified. Holy and holiness, um, the, the root word means difference. Mm. The holiness of God is the difference of God. Wow. Okay? So so when you say be holy, God is be different. Right. Okay? And so the, the God is the God. Thou art holy. You are different. There's none like you. That's what holiness is. So the way you build a bridge or the way you you, you teach um, grace to people who are steeped in law is you build a bridge between the law and grace. And what you do is you go back into the law. Mm-hmm. And you ex- you show them how it's pointing to grace, right? And 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 you then you go into the grace teaching and show them how it fulfills the law. Okay, I'm gonna read a scripture to you from Galatians three verse nineteen. Yeah. I think it goes on to verse twenty six. and maybe a lot, so okay. bear with me. Okay, okay. okay? Paul asks this: Why then was the, was the law given? He said it was given alongside the promise. To show people their sins. So the purpose of the law was just to show people their sins. Right. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised, who's Jesus. Right. So the law was designed not to go past when Jesus came and, and did what he was supposed to do. It goes on to say, God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Right. Verse 20 says in Galatians 3, now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. He said, but God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Right. Is there a conflict, verse 21 says, then between God's law and God's promise? Absolutely not. If the, if the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying, by obeying it. Right. Now, listen to verse 22. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Wow. Now, and I could go on to read, I, I ended at verse 22, but there's so much more to this. And, and, and it, it says so many things about about the law and grace. And here's the problem, Gerard, is that in in the majority of churches around the world, we don't preach this. This is new. Grace seems sort of like a new age doctrine. It's right, not. Right. It's, it is the new covenant. It was. This is a 2000 year old doctrine that we don't preach.
0: So so why why, I've always been curious why it is that, So many are afraid to preach grace. I mean, I remember growing up in a church that was definitely holiness or hell, and I felt as though in the last eight years, I've had to literally unlearn and relearn God because it was like, wait... Oh, you mean he's not mad at me? Like, and you mean I, I can talk straight to him and I don't have to go to the pastor and I don't have to, you know, and this isn't confessional and, and like it, it's very, very odd why so many continue to hold on to something that isn't really effective. Why do you think so many
1: pastors and preachers hold on to this law-based preaching? Well, here's what one pastor told me, and I thought it was was a phenomenal response from him. I asked him about this, and he said, one pastor in particular, well-known, he said, I'm afraid that if I start preaching grace, my people are going to sin out of control. Wow. that We have to find a way to keep the people from sending themselves bankrupt, and I said, "Wait a minute! So you, oh you can't improve on God." Here's the thing: so it's fear. They've, they they mm-hmm. are afraid. Now, now, here's the thing: I, this is a great example. When I was learning to, now I'm from the islands. You know, I came from the Caribbean. Right. When I in my youth, and I, of course, I, I'm an American citizen, but I came from the Caribbean when I was 17, 18 years old. And what's an interesting thing is you're going to find this to be true: that a lot of people from the Caribbean can't swim. Really? Because right, we're surrounded by water, but a lot of people. And here's why: it's not that we're we're afraid of the water or whatever. It's just that we're surrounded by water. We're so it's so familiar to us that many of us don't even go in it. <laughs> wow, I would have never
0: imagine that.
1: It is true, but it's the crazy thing. So I was learning to float. Okay, you know, you you swimming. I can swim a little bit, but but I was learning. I'd never learned to float. Lay on my back and float in the water. Right, and there's right. an interesting phenomenon that happened when I was learning. So the person that's in the water with me. Um, I had me lay on my back, they put my, their hands on under me, but mm-hmm. and we were in water deep enough for me to stand in. But so every time they would let me go, I'll start to sink, right? And I'll stand up. Okay. I'll panic and I'll stand up. And so, so the person was like, Look, okay, you have to trust the water. Right. I'm like, why should I trust the water when people drown in it? And so we're having this funny conversation. Here's what they said: they said, You are thinker, so mm-hmm. you need to go study the law of buoyancy. Hmm. So I studied the law of buoyancy. Here's what I learned: that in the law of buoyancy is a law is a law called the law of displacement. Okay. And here's how it works: when my body mass is released by the person who's holding me up to let me float, mm-hmm. when they when when they release me before I can float, some, a, a, some cal- the water has to do some calculations. It's going to measure my weight and my mass. Okay. And the weight does that is allow me to sink into it. And then it, it, the calculations happen so quickly, split seconds. And then immediately it brings that much water under me to bear me up. It's the law of buoyancy. Wow. So imagine this. So in the port of Miami, you go stand and there's a big old cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Weighs several tons floating in the water. Mm-hmm. But if you take a quarter out of your pocket and throw it in the water, it sinks right to the bottom. Wow! And that's because th- the, the it, it doesn't have enough uh, mass okay. for the water to bear it up. That's crazy. It's it's made of this basically out of the same metal, right? But but the, but the big old ship that shouldn't be floating is floating because of the law of buoyancy and the, the law of displacement and the law of buoyancy. It bears Mm -hmm. it up. Now, so so after I studied that, I came back and said, okay, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And so what I had to realize is that when she let me go, I I had to calculate I'm going to sink. Right. But I have to trust that the the water is going to do the math and bring you back up. And that's how I learned to float. I let myself sink and I have to relax in it. And when I relax in it, it brings me back up. Wow. And I could float in that water for as long as I'm relaxed and trust the law of, of, that's working
0: My goodness
1: Okay, now Why did I tell you this story? To tell you this The pastors that don't teach grace Are afraid of the sinking That's going to happen Because they, I'm about to say Something that's going to blow you away mm-hmm. Most believers When we first come to church The first thing we learn Is hypocrisy We learn to put on a mask To pretend We learn the language Of the church We learn the culture of the church We learn to shout We learn to dance We learn to say hallelujah We learn mm-hmm. to repeat Watch this now We learn to clap on cue And all this stuff And we put on the mask Of, of holiness Wow. But And then we, when we get a chance to, to we, we get tired of it, we go somewhere, we let our hair down and we be our real selves. Right. When, when people don't want to play that game, we call them rebels. Mm. So what happens when you first start to teach <laughs> grace and what pastors can't handle is that everyone feel comfortable with the Lord to take their mask off. Good grief. And when, they, when pastors see who the people really are, it scares them. It
0: scares them. Wow. Because
1: here comes a big one. Because most pastors are hiding behind a mask.
0: Wow.
1: Because we've taught, listen, we've taught taught the pew (laughs) that the pulpit is righteous. That's right. And I know a lot of pastors, the pulpit is not altogether righteous. Not at all. Trust me when I say. Not
0: at all. (laughs) Not at all. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. We got something to say.
1: Listen!
0: Did you know that there is power in your words? Cement that with the brand new remixes to the single, It Is So, from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Pick up the remixes to It Is So yeah! from Heart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir, available now at all digital outlets.
1: Let's go! Let's
0: go! Have you subscribed to Heart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service, where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Heart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift to the number 46786. Once again, text the word Uplift to the number 46786 and daily you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit encourage your heart and empower your walk subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift amen now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey well it, well, it can't be if for no other
1: reason then we're all struggling together Right. And and I think what it does, Gerard, is that what happens with well, the great part about this is is that God could could have chosen angels to to lead his people, but Absolutely. he chose men. And he chose men because we could identify with the struggle right. of, of, of my flesh wanting one, one thing and my my heart wanting another thing. Of, of of needing Jesus as my savior, the pulpit and the pew. We both need it. So there's there's a certain uh, compassion, a certain mercy, a certain grace that we extend to one another. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So then, I I also wonder: Is it also because
0: perhaps uh, leaders aren't equipped to actually deal with people and this reality? And maybe it's because they haven't dealt with their own stuff.
1: That's it. And, and the, the the thing is, let me tell you: Before I start teaching grace, I studied it for about ten years. Oh wow! And and because it because I, I this was what was troubling me. I'm reading this stuff and going. If, if this is true, then why is nobody else teaching it? Right. So I, a, I didn't want to be the first, <laughs> and so, but I realized this: if I didn't teach my people this, then I was robbing them, and I was robbing God. My goodness. And so, when I started, I started to, to take on the identity, and I'll be honest with you: this is this is an honest, transparent truth. I had I could teach it to them. But for me to embrace it, I felt like no, I had to keep myself under rules and regulations wow. because I'm the leader, and the leaders got to be disciplined. And bless mm. God, and I'm gonna tell you what happens. Whenever you, the, this is a, this is the the truest thing about the law.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The law finds fault with the best of us. Right. It makes a sinner out of the best of us. Wow. Grace makes a saint out of the worst of us.
0: My goodness,
1: huh? Ah. <laughs>
0: that's, that That's so good. That's so good. And so, wow, wow. So so then, so then, so, so let's talk about what happens when people, because we, we've seen this an awful lot, uh, where most of the time, you know, let's just face it, we're all going to have a struggle, yes. and we're all going to miss the mark. The Bible tells us that. Yes. Um, and usually, we're also the hardest ones to be able to pick ourselves back up.
1: Yeah. Why, yeah.
0: Why, why is it so hard for us to embrace
1: the grace of God? Because for the most part, it, it is human nature to keep rules. Mm. Think about this. OK. OK. Um, the city of Dothan, I, I pastor in three cities, uh, Dothan, Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. Each city has a culture about it. That's a norm. When you look at uh, Atlanta, Georgia, it's very progressive. It's a very mm-hmm. um, diverse city. Yes. When you look at Montgomery, it's the it's, it's, it's seat. I don't know if you know this, but Montgomery is the seat of the civil rights movement. It right. was actually a letter that was, uh, of course, you know, the Montgomery bus boycott started the civil rights movement. Right. And there was a letter from Montgomery that started the, the Civil War. Oh, wow. So right, yeah, right. So so blacks in Montgomery, when you, when you talk to them, they, they're very big on education, very big on learning, very big on on social justice. Okay? okay. So so each city has its own little flavor, um. But Dothan is a working class city before okay. NAFTA. Dothan had. Over 10 major factories Sony was here Michelin was here wow. um, Major companies were here um, the, the company that makes the signs For all like the McDonald's And Burger King In, right. in, in the Amer- America They were here in Dothan Wow So imagine These are working class people So you, you work for a living Your pay is based upon you working Right And then you come to church And someone tells you it's not by works, lest any man should boast. Right. It, it, it flies in the face of everything that you know and have experienced. To tell a person you don't have to work for God's favor after they've worked hard, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make sense. So it, it takes a person really believing and having faith in God and being taught repeatedly. Their mm-hmm. belief system has to be, you know, when you, any good safe has a combination right. where you turn in the dial in various directions. It's a combination of numbers that unlock the safe, right?
0: Right. It's
1: like that with grace. When you are teaching people grace, you have to. there's a combination of things that they have to hear over and over again, so that they, so that it can unlock their belief system to embrace this, this, this new way of believing, which is actually the uh, old thing that was instituted two thousand years ago,
0: right? Right. So, to your point, this isn't old. It's—I mean, it's not new. No, it's, it's old.
1: No, it's, yeah, remember well, even J- the Apostle John said, a new commandment I give you. He said, but the commandment itself is not—is not new.
0: Right. Right. I mean, it's
1: new because no one told you or talked to you about it. But it's not—it's new to you. But it's not new to God. Right. And and the and the biggest thing I'm going to tell you what I'm seeing and, and the the only thing preaching law based or needs based. Doctrine to the millennial community is not gonna bode well for the church. Right. This is the grace generation. Mm, that's good. They, they have to know that God has accepted them, that they loved, um, that that um, and it has to. It, they're gonna they're gonna take it. They're gonna run with it. And it, of course, because of, of how it works. They're gonna feel they're gonna be some displacement. Sure. Like I was giving you the example of, of the law of buoyancy. Well, there's gonna be they're gonna, you're gonna see them sink before they start rising. Wow. Because I'm gonna tell you what happened in my church. When I first told them that their sins have already been dealt with in the cross of Christ, man, right. it seemed like everybody starts sinning on purpose. <laughs> I'm like, oh I have to get back up and say, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Right? Wait, we still have a, a standard here. You know? Right. <laughs> but what start to happen is when the message starts to take. Mm-hmm. The lights came on in their eyes, and all of a sudden, people were in love with Jesus again. The number one thing I get from people who who are moving to, um, from Dothan or from uh, from our church to to go to another city or to go to another or, or some people who, who go to art to start their own ministries, mm-hmm. the number one thing they say to me in their letters or in the in their exit interview is this: "Thank you for teaching me about the grace." of God in Jesus Christ. Wow. Thank you for teaching me. Jesus. And there's another thing that's important I want to say this in case I don't get a chance to say it again. You cannot teach grace without teaching Jesus. Yes. In John chapter 1 verse 17 it says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. In the Greek, it doesn't say grace and truth, it says grace even truth. So grace oh. and truth don't go against each other because some people argue or well, you know you teach grace but you don't teach truth. It's like it's like you tell me you gave me you gave me the head of a quarter, but not the tail. Wow. The tail come together. That's right. You Grace is the truth.
0: That's right.
1: And the truth is grace. And so they are the same thing. And so uh, more and more we will talk about this. But, the, the, but in the Grace Conference, I'm starting a movement to teach grace to, to young pastors. Wow. And and, and, I, and, I want, and I want to uh, invite all the pastors that, that feel like, man, something I need something different. I, this is not working. This is not. If God is dealing with your heart, I need to talk to you. You know, I'm going to tell you something that's, that's interesting, Gerard. When Joseph Prince first came o- on the air, my son came to me and said, have you ever heard about, about Joseph Prince?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I told him, I said, yeah. So I started watching him for about a couple minutes one night. I said, I turn him off because he's too so extreme. I don't think that what he's teaching is right. Wow. Get this. And my son said, well, dad, at least give him a chance. And here's what I said. If what he's teaching is right then I can go to the Bible and find the same truth. And here's what's interesting. I never read his book, the first book, Destined to Rain. I never okay. read it. Okay. But people come to me all the time and say, are you a student of Joseph Prince? And I wasn't a student of, student of Joseph Prince. I was just preaching what's in the Bible. My and he's goodness. preaching what's in the Bible. And it sounds like we're teaching the same thing.
0: My goodness.
1: Because the, the new covenant is in the scriptures. It's well documented. And if you take your time and read it and understand it, you can't get it wrong.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. So I I like what you said, and I want to jump here because I think one of the issues that uh, I believe happens in church in general is we are often behind the times. Yes. Um, And so you know, I always look at it with from a technology standpoint. You know, people are still talking about I want to make a CD, and you know, nobody's doing CDs anymore. We're doing you know digital and things like that. And so I say that in reference to how we're reaching people because. You know, there was a, a an age. I'd say probably you know the last 15, 20 years where everybody wanted to hear about prosperity. Right. Um, but now you have a millennial generation that really wants to hear something different. Would you talk to the, the the people who are serving the millennial generation as to what they need, and then speak to the millennial generation's needs?
1: Well, you know, if, if you're going to speak to the millennial generation, first of all, the, the prosperity doctrine, uh, the motive was right, but Invariably, it ended up being agreed. Let me show you. The emphasis was wrong. Is what right. it, the emphasis was wrong. Right. Um, prosperity gospel. They were teaching people you give to get, mm-hmm. and 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 it it doesn't sound. I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, it, and they use the analogy of the farmer, like the scripture did. You know, a farmer always plants seed to get a harvest. Right. But what it did was it created a generation of of, of greedy, self centered saints. Wow. When really. Um, like for example, the, the Spirit of God challenged me about the tithe. He, he asked me, "Why do why do you tithe?" And I said so you could open the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing, and he said, "No." Mm-hmm. And when I heard no, immediately I like, I went straight back to the scripture. What did I get wrong? And here's what God showed me. He said, "Bring ye the tithe into the storehouse, that there will be the purpose is that there will be meat in my house." Right. That was the purpose. That's why the, the, that's why we were tithing. And people say, "Well, tithing is under the law." Tithing was in the book of Genesis. The law was not given to the book of Exodus. Wow, that's right So tithing was before the law, during the law, and after the law and, and I could prove it all in the scripture, but I want to say this So so what happened to us is that we we stopped, we stopped doing things to be a blessing Because the, the, under the covenant that God made with Abraham He said, He said, I will bless you to be a blessing Right. And so we stopped tithing to be a blessing And we start tithing so, so God could open the windows of heaven and, and make me rich And it was the wrong emphasis It was centered on self and not on God and people mm. Um, what I say to those who are ministering to millennials is that you have to understand that um, they respect transparency. Yes. They want you to be real. They're, they're tired of being lied to. hmm Okay? Um, they don't want you to try to impress them. Right. Okay? In going to be, a lot of ways, they're going to be unruly. They're going to be—a lot of ways, they're going to be. They are children's children. I mean, if you depending on what age you are. Right. And so if you're, if you're going to minister to them, what you do is, is just give it to them straight. Don't play them for dumb. Just give it to them straight. The Bible is able to make its own arguments. You don't have to defend a lion. Just let him out the cage. Right.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: Okay. And so now in speaking to millennials, I'll, I'll say this. And I know I'm being very general, um, being general in this, but I want, speaking to millennials, I'm going to say this. The millennials have a chance to redefine the church in the right light. In other words, to to take the church back to Jesus. Jesus said, upon this rock, I build my church. Mm-hmm. Don't fall into the, the group of people who are saying, down with the church and the church. No, Jesus said, first of all, the gates of hell can't prevail against the church. Even if you fight against the church, you can't destroy it. Right. You because And, and people, I, one of the criticisms Someone was saying the other day Is that Y'all take all that money And build buildings The only reason many of us Built buildings Was because We needed somewhere to meet Because the government Didn't want us preaching Jesus In their buildings That's right And That's most right. of us Started our churches in our homes And the churches got too big So we had to borrow places to meet Until finally The only place that we could Find or, or to have the meetings and to preach what needs to be preached and do the things that need to be done with the buildings that we either bought or built ourselves. That's so right. so to, I, I'm speaking to the millennials and saying, don't curse the, the, the um We're in a relay race and don't curse the, the generation that ran the lap before you mm. celebrate the, ra- the, the the leg of the race that they ran. And then you being be positioned to get the baton and then you run with all your might because the day is going to come if The Lord delays is coming that you're going to have to pass the baton too. That's and right. you don't want to have, have sown the seed of dishonor honor to, uh, for, um, to one generation and then have to reap a harvest of it. Wow. He that sows the wind will reap the whirlwind. In, in other words, if you, if you sow a breeze, you're going to reap a tornado. My so goodness. Be careful. So be careful how you do that. That's, that's what I have to say. Wow.
0: Wow. That, <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is heavy. And, and that's so important, though, because, again, I think people need to understand that you know, this is not yesterday's generation. You know, but because of that, there still has to be a desire to want to do the right thing from the current generation. You know, it can't just be, well, you guys hate us. We're going to do our own thing and and screw everybody. You
1: know, (laughs) know, and and I think what happens that comes out of frustration. Right. But but I think what another thing that, that frustrates me is, is that the millennial generation tends to lump everyone they're just so, don't be so categorical, right? You know, I mean, that, the way y'all are, y'all bishops, y'all bishops. Come on, I mean, I know bishops that I don't like, right? Don't like <laughs> they're doing, they, they got the title, but they're not. Doing. So don't, don't put me in the. In, I'm trying to get them together, and then, and, and then another thing also is one of the things I love about the millennials is that they're so able to discern a fraud, yes, from someone who has failed.
0: Yes, that's good.
1: It's true. They can tell a, a person who's, who is running games mm-hmm. and failing because they're not even in it for the right reasons f- from a person who's in it for the right reasons but had a stumble and a mess up. And I love that about them. I love that, they, that they're inclusive. Yes. That, that goes a long way. Yes. Um, and if, if pastors were to tap into that part of the millennial, let me tell you something. The millennials are my favorite people group to minister to. Wow. They are. Because I'm going to tell you why. Because they keep me in my game. You can't right. come to them running games. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you better true. know what you're talking about. <laughs> and you better, you better be able to uh, 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 get there. They will not argue with facts. Right. That's what I love about that generation. Right. But
0: they will absolutely debunk a myth.
1: This if it's a myth, <laughs> you'll see a meme come out of your picture. Right. <laughs> right. I love
0: it. I love it. And I am loving heart to heart. I hope you guys are as well. It's an extension of what we're doing here with On Course with Heart Ramsey. We are absolutely enjoying what you guys are doing. Hey, let me ask you this. If people want to ask you questions for future segments of, of what we're doing, how can they do that?
1: Well, you know what? Uh, it's something, of course, we'll have to set up, but what I would like them to do is they could tweet the questions to me and specifically mm-hmm. say, uh, use the hashtag um, um, heart to heart. I like it. Uh, H-A-R-T the, uh, the number two, mm-hmm. H-E-A-R-T, heart to heart, and, 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 and hashtag that and put your question. And, and we'll actually make it a part of our, uh, one of our, our um, podcasts just yes. to make sure we get your questions answered. And I'm going to tell you, and I don't offend easy. Um, you could ask me pretty much anything, um, and, and and like anyone, if, if it's personal, I, w- I may tell you that's too personal to answer. But for the most part, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to share with you some things that I, that I believe can, sh- can really shape and change your life. I love it. So you guys remember that. Use the
0: hashtag because I know as you've been listening, you come up with a lot of questions. Use that hashtag heart to heart, H-A-R-T, the number two, H-E-A-R-T. And in a future podcast, we will have that question and uh, Pastor Ramsey will answer it. My name is Gerard Bonner. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is On Course with Heart Ramsey.